0: UK lager drinkers have never had it so good. There is a wealth of truly excellent beers being produced by breweries of all shapes and sizes, and for the most part, you're never too far away from a great pint. Consumers are realising there is choice when they're in the market for lager, and the UK beer landscape is all the better for it. Just as the modern UK beer landscape evolves and matures, so do the drinking habits of the consumers fueling that growth. The demand for quality and consistency was ever thus, but the desire for the local continues unabated. So, serving a great product to the local community is a proposition that, though nothing new, has a strong track record in being a success. Enter Manchester Union Brewery, an idea years in the making co-founded by will evans and jamie scarhill and completed by head brewer ian johnson the manchester based brewery has nailed its colors the mass of locally produced lager designed to serve local drinkers the trio are making waves with their flagship beer manchester union lager and they're determined to make a mark in a city that boasts respected breweries at every turn in this podcast Will, Jamie and Ian take us through the journey of Manchester Union Brewery, the thought process behind their brew house configuration, the challenges so far and the opportunities that lie ahead.
1: My name's Will Evans and I look after seals at Manchester Union Brewery. My name's
2: Jamie Scarhill, I look after the marketing at Manchester Union Brewery.
1: Ian
3: Johnson and I look after the stainless steel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's the university challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I was trying to work out what that reminded me <laughs> of. But.
4: Let's take it back to the beginning. Um, how did Manchester Union Brewery come to be?
1: Um, I guess I can take this one. I. Um, Met in at a brew tap um, with a Blackjack Brewery. Um, it was a Sunday afternoon, and I think I was again like, like a little bit hungover from the night before, so needed something really easy to drink. At the time, I was obviously drinking a lot of IPAs and stuff, and uh, but needed something really easy. And someone suggested a try Ian's Lager and um, went over, tried it and I was yeah blown away by the, I guess, the, the depth in the beer, the body, mouthfeel and got chatting and then explained to me it was decoction mash brewing, um, a term that I hadn't really heard of too much at the time and I sat and listened to him or tried to listen to him, tried to hear what he was saying for about 30 minutes when he was explaining what it was. Um, and then just realized that we needed to do something together um i'd already been speaking to jamie about doing a brewery and then we we all just kind of met up then the following week and th- about four years now four years later here we are
4: so we'll see you work at cave direct uh, uh, jamie What's your um
1: profession? My background
2: kind of events. So I'm involved in club nights, festivals, also head a marketing at Skiddle, which is like a big ticketing um, platform. Um, been into brewing and met Will via uh, a bar, which I was running in Manchester called 2022. Will was selling me beer in his Duval days, um, maybe six, five, six years ago. Yeah, about six years. So we, we just kind of got on straight away and talked about, you know, breweries and lagers and things like that. So yeah, that's how that came about.
4: And Ian, what's your brewing background?
3: Uh, well, I started off home brewing, and then I had my first brewery, which was Six Clock Beer Company, uh, and that's when, because it was so small, I could mess around with stuff, and that's when I started doing decoction mashing, because I could just use a home brew boiler, and then just tip it back into the mash after the after the boil. Um, yeah, and then this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but Six Clock was going for six years. I mean, it wasn't, you know. Uh, it wasn't a short-term thing, you know. It was it was going for quite a while.
4: So, so tell us for people aren't, that aren't familiar with this brewery, how have these last couple of months and years gone? Really, in the lead up to the brewery starting life,
1: <laughs> pretty stressful. Uh, <laughs> pretty stressful a lot. It's it's taken a long time to get to where we are. Um, yeah, we had a lot of problems along the way. The I guess whenever we first were looking at setting up, we were looking at like going really a step up from, you know, Ian's countertop brewing, um, but still like tiny compared to what we're what we're doing. Uh, And then it was just the it was it was more or less really the understanding that if we got the the bars that we wanted to so to get the the um the distribution that we wanted to we needed enough beer to supply like say even just even just 15 20 bars was going to be a challenge Um, so to do that we needed a, a, a consistent supply of beer and considering this beer needs to stay in tanks for six weeks that meant that those you know if we were only brewing say four times a month those brews had to be big you know so um so over time we realized we had to go as big as we could, and then it was just about trying to find the funding, funding for that. And
4: how did you go about doing that?
1: Uh, we each cobbled together uh, money ourselves. Um, uh, the three of us uh, also took out like a small um, uh, business growth finance. It's a EU thing um, uh, loan, and then um, and then we've asset financed. Like a large part of the brewery, um, and then a, a fourth person joined us at the end just to give us the extra, um, the extra jump to get to get over the line, really.
4: Okay, and it's obviously a fantastic setup here. Thank you. Uh, how long did it take to decide on the configuration that you all wanted? That's Ian.
3: Uh, <laughs> well, we knew that we wanted a brew house that was capable of doing the coction, so and we originally went to the Czech Republic. To see a manufacturer there, uh, they drove us halfway across the country. Yeah. Which was we funny. thought we were going to be killed. Yeah. <laughs> they took us, us <laughs> found dead in a field, <laughs> in a Czech field. And we're it was hung, a all
2: hungover like, yeah. Well, yeah. It was yeah. just like, what is going on? Well, this old film, it was hostile. It yeah. Was, uh, yeah, hostile. It was just, yeah. It was
1: just like taking us out to the middle of nowhere. I thought we literally thought we were going to be in the back of <laughs> yeah. some like banked up Subaru. They <laughs> yeah. thought, shit, they're going to fucking kill us. Excuse my. <laughs> um,
3: so yeah, um, after that experience uh, <laughs> we, um, we then approached the finance company that we went for and they said they wouldn't buy from a foreign company directly. So then we were fishing around for agents and stuff who, who would buy the kit for us and also install it. Um, but they all have their preferred suppliers and stuff like that. Um, one of the guys we met was getting their kit from Canada. So, you know, all that cost of shipping it over, etc. And he so, also
1: couldn't make the kit that you wanted.
3: Yeah, yeah. That was the other thing as there's well. Is that because to. you know there's very few people, perhaps in the world, that can that want to get themselves involved in a kit like this? Because it is a bit little. I mean, it's not too complex, but it's a, it's more complex than just a single infusion ale kit. So, um, so yeah. So I I I, I knew of Johnson Brewing Design forever. Because when we first started with six o'clock, we got a quote from him for a bigger kit than we eventually bought. So I said, Well, you know, I know he's I know he's good technically, so I'm gonna have a word with him. And I sent out quotes to about four UK manufacturers, and he was the only one that came back with a quote. Because nobody else, I don't think, wanted to touch it.
4: And did you have any particular exacting demands of what you wanted from this kit? Yeah, I wrote
3: a twelve page spec. On how I wanted the brewery to work and you know all the heating rates and cooling rates and stuff like that so I had a pretty clear idea of what needs to go on um, and I was quite happy for JBD to to do that work because you know technically it's very good.
4: Excellent. And so I understand that it's really been getting on what, nearly a year now since everything's been in full operation?
1: Um. I'm, I'm Really, about nine months. Now. Yeah, first brew yeah. was November, wasn't yeah, it? November 2018 was first brew, and then first beer out was the back end of um, January. So really about... So we've actually been selling beer for, like, six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you had any growing
4: pains in that time? <laughs> yeah, every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's been a real challenge. At the very start, the, the worry was... Well, the way to seal was the worry. You know, as, as I say, we, we identified very early on what you know, how many bars we thought we could supply to and then what the rate of sale was in those bars. So whenever, um, what I was a bit surprised at was the lower rate of sale at the very start until people understood the brewery. Um, right now the rate of sale, six months in the rate of sale is up to probably surpassing where we thought it was, was going to be. But, um, but at the start, yeah, the rate of sale was, was really worrying because we had say, you know, 15 bars that should have been doing four or five kegs a week, but we're doing one. You know, so so you, yeah, you can see that you can see the issues there. But yeah, but um, you know, six months in, um, we've got we've now got some bars doing fifteen kegs a week, so it's uh, it's phenomenal for us. You know, well, actually, some bars doing thirty kegs a week. Um, yeah, I think that I
2: think that comes from you know we're building a brand as well within that, and you know we've been living and breathing it for four years. We expect that to hit the ground running. But really, soon as the lagers out there, which was like you know February, which isn't a great month for launching a yeah. lager, um, it's just took a little while to get there. But now we kind of Yeah, yeah is yeah, firing on yeah
4: and did you early on was it lag was the the style that you really wanted to focus on
1: yeah yeah
4: and is that a competitive market
1: a, a huge competitive market the i guess the main... um we, we thought about doing a pale ale as well. The early conversations that we had was uh, we, uh, we all talked about doing a lager and a pale ale, two brands, which seems like a pretty obvious way to go about um, you know launching a, a brewery and having two two key styles of beer. Um, however, we also knew that if we did do a pale ale and it became popular, we would be tempted to do that because we could probably churn that out three times as quick as a you know we could churn out three whole batches of peel in the same time I would take to turn out three batches of lager so we'd probably lose the focus on the lager which was the the number one uh, importance to us so yeah that that's you know the focus had to be on lager which is a massively competitive market as you say And um, you know we're taking it you know I, I guess taking the fight a wee bit to the big guys you know so the ABM Bevs the Carlsbergs, the Heineken's and they you know they have their their methods of, of obviously of stopping our growth but um but you know you know they've got money to, to throw at to throw at lines, but as long as you know, as long as Ian keeps churning out. The quality beer that he's got, then you know we'll always have quality on our side. So, you know, and and we've got the local and provenance at the start. You know, this beer is uh, a Manchester beer. You know, so um, you know we've got we've got no designs, uh, no immediate. Well, we've got no long term designs either for for going um, for going any any further. You know, the the focus really is just making it making it like the number one lager in Manchester. That's what we that's what we want.
4: Do you think people have reacted to the fact that yes, there's provenance, but it's a well made. Um, style that they can relate to.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, in terms of the uh, the style of the beer, we put a lot of. I mean, I, I think people get sick of me talking about body and mouthfeel uh, into this beer, but you know, we need this beer to be different. You know, so. Um, you know, once people understand what it is we keep banging on about in terms of body and mouthfeel but still dry, you know, then then, then we can have the discussions around what, what the brewery is, um, you know, why Manchester, you know, has got really soft water and why that's important, you know, why we do decoction mash brewing and why that's important um, and, you know, if we get if we start converting those peroni drinkers and those you know and those um, heineken drinkers whatever whoever they are if we convert those into this beer then there's no going back to that to that style because they'll understand well we hope they will they'll understand that that there is, you can still drink lager but just drink a better lager you know so once we convert them then hopefully there will be there will be no going back
4: and do you price yourselves at a point where you are competitive with the macro lagers,
1: yeah, um, yeah, which is tight, which is also why we why we have the daily challenges of cash flow. Um, so, you know, we it would be great to to get a little bit more margin out of out of the beer, but um, you know, if we think about. The, the consumer that walks into the bars that we want this beer in. So this we want this beer in, yes, in the, you know, like, so it's in, for instance, Cafe Beer Moth every, you know, on rotation and things like that. But, you know, it's in um, some, you know, really well-respected beer places and that's that's where we want it. But we also want it in on the taps, in, in bars around spinning fields and all through Northern Quarter and, you know, in Mooresley Old Hall, for instance, or, you know, places where people are used to drinking the Peronis and the heinekens you know. So, you know, getting into those places we have to be competitive on price which then affects obviously we take a hit on our, uh, on our margins for that um, but we were again as Jamie says you know we're trying to build build a brand um, of lager not just um, you know not just focusing on the the real kind of beer havens and how do you go about growing apart from matching on and being competitive on
4: price how do you go about growing that visibility I, mean, um, do, do you know? I
2: suppose it's you know getting our story out like Will says about you know the decoction and why we do lager and you know everything else like that and you know we just we produced a film recently and that's you know gone down really well um, showing the story of the brewery um, and you know we just shout about lager as much as we can really um, and you know we we get a lot of support from that um, and people people are beginning to understand why we're doing what we're doing really so
4: and in terms of growth here is that already in the pipeline to grow your capacity your production capacity and to be able to hit more markets
1: yeah ian's had quotes in just just this last week for new tanks um we just need to figure out how to pay for them <laughs> 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 but no like uh, yeah we, we've that's we've, we've kind of got that in the plan we just need to, we just need to get all the ducks in a row um but yeah we, we've got the quotes coming in now um, the good thing is um, we don't have to go through the, the headache of financing the whole brewery again. So we can add just like three tanks. So it's a fraction of the cost of the brewery. We can add 50% capacity, you know, just for a fraction of the, co- you know, for, like, I think it's about 10% of the cost of the brewery, you know, um, we can, well, actually about 20% of the cost of the yeah, brewery. We can, we can add 50% capacity. It's so significant.
4: So, yeah. And so, Ian, for people that are not aware, can you describe to them what decoction mash brewing is?
3: Uh, well simply put it's <clears throat> taking out a proportion of the mash and boiling it <laughs>
1: uh, Try to make it sound a little more complicated than Jesus.
3: <laughs> yeah I can't be asked this morning um, yeah I mean that, that's effectively it but what it does is it um, it creates uh, a reaction called the Maillard reaction um, which is the same reaction that turns bread brown in the oven and stuff like that but it also produces this, this lovely long chain molecule called melanoidin, me- melanoidin um, which some people use melanoidin malt. Uh, we don't, obviously. Uh, but the beers that I've tried in the past that have melanoidin malt in, either people put too little in so it makes no difference, or they put too much in and you get this awful cluing, uh flavour. Um, but I have found through experience that if you just work with the malt that you've got, you tend to get beer like that. Um, so <clears throat> I pretty much insisted on a decoction brew house. And if you've read, <laughs> if you've read Will's blog on the website, um, you know, yes, it, 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 yeah <laughs> it's all about, you know, I, I've, I had arguments on the phone with brewing consultants, you know, going, Ian, you don't need to do this. I said, yeah, I don't need to do this,
1: but I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I find myself questioning Ian a bit at times as well, just to be, you know, is this something cause, because it was so
2: difficult,
1: because it was so difficult to do and, you know, and we, you know, we, we sat down one night in one of the meetings that we had and just said, you know, we would have a brewery by now if it wasn't for this, this process. Uh, and, you know, at times we thought, well, let's just do it. And then, well, at times I thought, let's just do it. And then, then, and then you take a wee step back and say, well, what's the point in doing it? But if it's not different, you know, if it's not better, you know, so, um, so that's and it, and it causes problems so like just last week you know to move essentially you're moving like a thick porridge around the brew house um, so as I say Ian did it on this countertop by actually lifting the entire tank up and just pouring it into the next tank but we can't do that here because you'd need a bloody big arm uh, yeah. to uh, to do it um, so so we you know the the pump that we've got from a from a jam factory it needs to move it needs to be used to pumping really thick warm uh liquids around the, uh around the brew house and that went down last week um we had to get you know so it meant we couldn't brew last week we had to get a new pump in and that's like nine and a half thousand pounds you know just for a new pump you know for that and, and that's where you know by doing this process it adds complication it adds um, and energy yeah, yeah, yeah. Energy—it it adds like so many problems to um, to every step of the way, and still like from you know from from setup to ongoing, but it makes a better beer.
4: But are you seeing with this uplift in sales from those existing accounts and new accounts? Are you feeling vindicated? Yeah, absolutely. With those yeah. Decisions?
1: yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I don't. I don't think we would be doing decoction mash brewing if it wasn't for like inns. Like, um, I guess the how resolute he was on on doing this way because i say at times i i was questioning it and you know um if it was a different brewery you know we probably would be doing a normal brewery you know you know so um so and that set that sets us sets us aside um you know and and for a lot we, we've just been nominated you know really grateful that we've been nominated for um artisan food and drink producer of the year manchester food and drink festival uh and just to be that was voted for by, or the nominations were from um, beer writers or food and drink writers in Manchester. So for them to understand what we're doing um, and, uh, and want to shout about it for a lager producer to be an artisan, food and drink producer, is, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's really, it kind of gives us the vindication to say that what we're doing is different and people recognize it. And for
4: many years, obviously, people have looked, rightfully so, lovingly to the continent four fantastic lagers produced there. Yeah. Do you think it's, it's time enough that people start to appreciate the great beer we can make over here too?
3: Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's re-education as well. So we did a dark, uh, a Czech dark lager. When uh, did we bring that in March or something? And it takes people, you know, unaware, unaware that, you know, they think they're going to have a porter or a stout, but when they do drink it, it's this clean you know a little bit more malty dark lager um yeah so i think it's about just trying to get the message out there that even though lager is not maybe quite as wide as 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 ale's but there are some great styles in there that we can play around with and put our own stamp on
2: i think it's showed we did um we were involved in our lager festival in manchester in april and i think out of the 22 breweries half of them were uk based maybe yeah third yeah a third of them about UK based something like that so you know there is some really good lager breweries out there yeah,
1: yeah there will always be um continental beers in the UK and like you know we import them at Kiev directly, you know we've got Polaner, which is one that we you know champion every single day um but um you know and they will always have a, a price advantage at the moment because I mean this is like a five million hectolitre brewery Polaner, you know um up against uh you know which is not even a 1000 heck brewery you know so um, so obviously they will be able to do something different on price but you know those people that are going into those bars some people will want that um, and want the reassurance of this enormous brewery but other people will want to look for you know provenance locality you know and and seeking out something a little bit different and you obviously
4: talk about the desire and the importance of growing your presence in and around manchester looking at Establishing establishing yourself on the beer style front as well. Where would you see any sort of diversification in styles if that was to come along
1: within our brewery? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's up for Ian, We're, but I'm always in lager. Um, so yeah, there's no there's no immediate plans to ever do an eel. Um, but like we obviously we'd never. Well, I wouldn't would, say never. Well, we we, we wouldn't I mean, we, we wouldn't rule it out. I'd love to
3: do a colsh,
1: for instance. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. But um, yeah, so like right now Ian's planning on. Um, so we have been. Is, are we able to talk about? Are we say? So we've been invited to what's brewing in Norway, uh, which is massive for us. It's a festival that I think is like. Um, One of the best in the world, if not the best. I absolutely love it. Uh, So we've got to have four beers for that. So that's up to Ian, that one. Um, Ian? So we've got got the Pilsner in the dark, so tick, tick.
3: Um, I'm hopefully doing an Oktoberfest beer that I made. So, right, go back to the beginning. The Pilsner I started making on the six o'clock kit, so I've been making that for donkey's years. Um, I also made an Oktoberfest beer. Uh, on that kit as well. So I've still got the recipe for that, which I'm hoping to do for that beer festival as well. And also, the fourth lager is a red lager, which I really
1: want to make. Yeah, I'd like that to be quite a hobby red lager, you know, like, um, yeah, so like, you know, really nice dry hopped um, Vienna lager, that'd be nice.
4: When's the uh, what's Brewing Festival take place?
2: Uh, 17th to 19th of October. So.
4: So when that's said and done, the expansion has already taken place. Surely 2019 has been a pretty successful year.
1: It's been better than 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've actually got beer in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, no, 2018 was was a challenge. It was, um, uh, we, uh, we did, we really, at times, we, in fact, even about a month before we actually got the brewery, you know, we weren't sure we were we were going to get it. Yeah. Um, so, 2019, um, so far, yes, started off, you know, launching a lager brand in January, February is probably not the best time to do it, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we seem to be hitting our stride now, so, um, it's now just Plans for for um, for the growth and then seeing where how to get these these extra tanks.
4: So, how challenging and exciting also is it to build a brand around one product?
2: Well, it seems it seems to be a lot easier because you're just talking about lager, and you know it's, it's something people don't expect. You know, people expect to be drinking the the bigger brands. So, you know, when a lager. Um, product and brand comes out in Manchester, you've obviously got geographically, you know who you're talking to, we know our targets and it's just Lager, you know Lager. aligning ourselves Lager. with them. Lager, Lager. Um, like Will said uh, Lager. No, it not wasn't, Lager. to talk to you know well, you, 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 you deep off. beer drinkers <laughs> it was kind of speak to the mainstream <laughs> yeah, a little bit that. and tell our yeah. story <laughs> and we produced a beautiful film, a two minute beautiful film which has done that. Um, and I think it's just kind of stepping out of that beer world a little bit keeping one foot in there. Um, but also, you know, talking to that audience direct and again with events we do and, you know, we'll do tap room stuff with DJs and, you know, all the, you know, the merchandise and everything is all kind of, you know, all really good quality and, you know, we're always banging on about Lager and the actual, you know, the actual branding itself with the Lion Bee, um, which comes from the Manchester crest is, you know, it's all the
1: provenance of Manchester and, you know, we're shouting loud about that. Yeah. The, um, You know, the good thing is around the beer scene is that people seek out quality, and people are seeking out, you know, something different, and people want to find, you know, the next thing, so that so they they almost look after themselves because of the curiosity they have. Um, But I guess I guess the challenge for us is yeah, trying to talk to those other drinkers, those sort of, those, um, yeah, the Peroni drinkers, the Hennegan drinkers. So we need to come up with different ways of talking to those. Um, so yeah, all the events that we do is, um, within the tap room, um, we had like a denim event in here to so try to bring down the denim crowd and then introduce our lager. We, um, Jamie's done a few um, DJ events and again, talking to those people and tr- trying to get them in to understand the lager. But we need to find a way to to, spark that curiosity in people who maybe beer isn't the the number one, you know, the number one decision on why they choose a place to drink on a Saturday night.
0: A big thank you to Ian, Jamie and Will from Manchester Union Brewery. They're showing that patience is a virtue when it comes to realising that all-important vision for your brewery and by focusing their efforts on serving the local audience with a carefully considered offering, such an approach is likely to become even more common in the coming months and years. Looking ahead, we'd like to invite you to the Brewers Lectures in Bristol. Taking place at the Watershed on October the 10th, it promises to be an afternoon of engaging, insightful talks, a wealth of networking opportunities, and of course, fantastic beer. For the full lineup of speakers, visit lectures.brewersjournal.info. But before then, don't forget your entries to the Brewers' Choice Awards. With the deadline of August 31st fast approaching, designed to recognise the very best in UK brewing, we want to put the best of the best in the spotlight. The Brewers' Choice Awards are split into five categories Brewery of the Year, New Brewery of the Year, Young Brewer of the Year, beer of the year and lifetime achievement award and to do this we need you so make sure to visit awards.brewersjournal.info for more information and how to enter and remember the deadline for entries is the 31st of august so time is running out the brewer's choice awards are supported by lalemond rankin and thomas Fawcett. brewer's journal podcast is a production of ruby media the host was me, Ryan Owen. Special thanks to Manchester Union Brewery. The producer is Tim Sheehan. Mixing and editing by John Young. A big thanks to Josh Henderson for making this possible. Music is from Pond5. The executive producer is Rory Harris. We'll be back in two weeks with more. If you like this podcast, please leave us a comment or review on your podcast app. This really helps others hear about us. Or simply tell a friend to have a listen. Brewer's Journal podcast can be found on all major podcast apps. Find out more about us online at rebe.media.